Story Three of the Furthest Reaches of Space. Ned Reed, short sci-fi, volume eight. Mr. Meek, Musketeer, by Clifford D. Simak, Part Two. Chapter Three. The prowler skidded to a stop, his metal hooves leaving scratches on the solid rock. For a moment, the three of them stood stuck still. Stiffy's jaw hanging in astonishment. Meek reached out a hand and patted the prowler's massive shoulder. Good boy, he said. Good boy. Come away from there, Stiffy yelled in sudden terror. Just one good gulp when that guy would have you. Ah, oh, shucks, said Meek. He won't hurt anybody. He's only hungry, that's all. Ah, declared Stiffy. It's just what I'm afraid of. You don't understand, insisted Meek. He isn't hungry for us. He starved for energy. Give him another shot from the gun. Stiffy stared at the gun hanging in his hand. You sure it won't make him sore? He asked. Gosh, no, said Meek. That's what he wants. He soaks it up. Didn't you notice how the beam went right into him without spattering or anything? And the way he sucked that power cable, he drained your ship of every drop of energy it had. He did what? yelped Stiffy. He drained the ship of energy. That's what he lives on. That's why he chased you. He wanted you to keep on shooting. Stiffy clapped a hand to his forehead. We're sunk for certain now, he declared. There might have been a chance to get back with just a few plates ripped off the ship, but with all the energy gone. Hey, Stiffy, yelled Meek. Take a look at this. Stiffy moved nearer, cautiously. What you got now, he demanded irritably. These marks on his shoulder, said Meek. His gloved finger shook excitedly as he pointed. There's the same kind of marks as were on those stones I read about in the book. Marks no one could read. Fellow who wrote the book figured they were made by some other race that had visited Juno. Maybe a race from outside the solar system, even. Good gravy, said Stiffy in awe. You don't think... Sure I do, Meek declared with the air of a man who was sure of his knowledge. A race came here one time... For some reason they left him. Maybe he was just a robot and they didn't have room for him. Or maybe something happened to them. Say, said Stiffy, I bet you that's just what he is. A robot, attuned to thought ways. That's why he minds you. That's what I figured, Meek agreed. Thought waves would be the same no matter who thought them. Human being or, well, or something else. A sudden thought struck Stiffy. Maybe them guys found the lost mine. By cracky, that would be something, wouldn't it? Maybe this critter would lead us to it. Maybe, Meek said doubtfully. Meek patted the prowler's rocky shoulder gently, filled with wonder. In some unguessed time, in some unknown sector of space, the prowler had been fashioned by an alien people. For some reason, they had made him. For some reason, they had left him here. Abandonment or purpose? Meek shook his head. That would be something to puzzle over later, something to roll around in his brain on some monotonous flight into the maw of space. Space. Startled at the thought, clanging on his brain, he jerked a quick glance upward, saw the bleak stars staring at him, eyes that seemed to be laughing at him, cruel, ironic laughter. Stiffy, he whispered. Stiffy, I just thought of something. Yeah, what is it? Stark terror walked in Meek's words. My oxygen tank is... Better than half gone, and the ship is wrecked. Cripes, said Stiffy. I guess we just forgot. We sure are behind the eight ball. Somehow we've got to get back to Asteroid City, and we've got to get there quick. 
Meek's eyes brightened. Stiffy, maybe. Maybe we could ride the prowler. Stiffy backed away, but Meek reached out and grasped his arm. Come on, it's the only way, Stiffy. We have to get there and the prowler can take us. But, Stiffy stammered. Give me a leg up, Meek ordered. Stiffy complied and Meek leaped astride the broad metal back, reached down and hauled Stiffy aboard. Get going, you flea-bitten nag, Meek yipped in sudden elation. There was reason for elation. Not until that moment had he stopped to consider the prowler might object to being ridden, might consider it an insult. The prowler apparently was astonished, but that was all. He shook his head in bewilderment and weaved his neck around as if he wasn't quite sure just what to do. But at least he hadn't started to take the place apart. Get up, yelled Stiffy, bringing the butt of his pistol down. The prowler jigged a little, then gathered himself together and started. The landscape blurred with speed as he leaped mighty boulders, skipped along a narrow ledge around a slick-faced mountain, skidded a hairpin turn. Meek and Stiffy fought desperately to hang on. The metal back was slick and broad, and there weren't any handholds. They bounced and thumped, almost fell off a dozen times. Stiffy, yelled Meek, how do we know he's taking us to Asteroid City? Don't fret about that, said Stiffy. He knows where we want to go. He read our mind. I hope so, Meek said prayerfully. The prowler wished around a right-angle turn on a narrow ledge, and the distant peaks wheeled sickeningly against the sky. Meek lay flat on his belly and hugged the prowler's sides. The mountains whistled past. He stole a look at the jagged peaks on the near horizon, and they looked like a tight board fence. However, Meek fought manfully to get back his composure as the prowler pranced down the main street of Asteroid City. The sidewalks were lined with hundreds of staring faces, faces that drooped in astonishment and disbelief. Stiffy was yelling at someone, Ah, doggone you, will you believe me there is a prowler? And the man he yelled at didn't have a word to say, just stood and stared. In the swarm of faces, Meek saw those of the Reverend Harold Brown and Andrew Smith, and almost as if in a dream he waved jauntily to them. At least he hoped the wave was jaunty. Wouldn't do to let them know his knees were too weak to hold him up. Smith waved back and shouted something, but the Reverend Brown's jaw hung open and he seemed too wonderstruck to move. This, thought Meek, is the kind of things you read about. The conquering hero coming home astride his mighty charger. Only the conquering hero, he remembered with a sudden twinge, usually was a young lad who sat straight in the saddle, instead of an old man with shoulders hunched from thirty years of poring over dusty ledges. The man was stepping out into the street, a man who carried a gun in hand, and suddenly Meek realized they were abreast of the silver moon. The armed man was Blackie Hoffman. Here, thought Meek, is where I get it. This is what I get for playing the big shot, for being a smart Alec, for remembering how a card shouldn't be dealt, and for shooting a man's gun out of his hand, and letting myself be talked into being a marshal. But he sat stiff and as straight as he could on the prowler and kept his eyes on Hoffman. That was the only way to do. That was the way all the heroes did in the stories he had read. And gone he was a hero. Whether he liked it or not, he was one. The street was hushed with sudden tension, and the very air seemed to be crackling with the threat of direful happenings. Hoffman's voice rang crisply through the stillness. Go for your blasters, Meek. I have no blasters, Meek told him calmly. Your hoodlums took them from me. Burrow stiffies, snapped Hoffman, and added with a nasty laugh. You won't need them long. Meek nodded, watching Hoffman narrowly. Slowly he reached back for Stiffy's gun. He felt it in his hand, wrapped his fingers tightly around it, 
funny he thought how calm he was, like he had been in a silver moon that night, or something about a gun. It changed him, turned him into another man. He didn't have a chance, he knew. Hoffman would shoot before he could ever get the gun around, but despite that he felt foolishly sure. Hoffman's gun flashed in the weak sunlight, blooming with blue brilliance. For an instant, a single fraction of a second, Meek saw the flash of the beam straight in his eyes. But even before he could involuntarily flinch, the beam had bent. True to its mark, it would have drilled Meek straight between the eyes. But it didn't go straight to its mark. Instead it bent, and slapped itself straight between the prowler's eyes. And the prowler danced a little jig of happiness, as the blue spear of energy knifed into its metal body. Quipes, gasped Stiffy. He draws it. He ain't satisfied with just taking it when you give it to him. He reaches out and gets it. It's like a lightning rod reaching up and grabbing lightning. Puzzlement flashed across Huffman's face, then incredulity, and finally something that came close to fear. The gun's beam snapped off and his hands sagged. The gun dropped in the dust. The prowler stood stock still. Well, Huffman, Meek asked quietly, and his voice seemed to run all along the street. Huffman's face twitched. Get down and fight like a man, he rasped. No, said Meek. I won't do that, because it wouldn't be man to man. It would be me against your entire gang. Huffman started to back away, slowly, step by furtive step. Step by step, the prowler stalked him there in the silent street. Then Huffman, with a scream of terror, broke and ran. Get him, Meek roared at the prowler. The prowler, with one lightning lunge, one flip of its whip-like neck, got him. Got him gently, as Meek had meant he should. Howling in mingled rage and terror, Huffman dangled by the seat of his pants from the prowler's beak. Neatly as any circus horse, the prowler wheeled and trotted back to the silver moon, carrying Huffman with a certain gentle grace that was not lost upon the crowd. Huffman quieted, and the crowd's jeers rang against the dome. The prowler pranced a bit, jiggled Huffman up and down. Meek raised a hand for silence, spoke to Huffman. Okay, Mr. Huffman. Call out your men, all of them, out into the middle of the street, where we can see them, Hoffman swore at him. Jiggle him, Sam, Meek told the prowler. The prowler jiggled him, and Hoffman bawled and clawed at empty air. Damn you, shrieked Hoffman. Get out into the street, all of you, just like he said. No one stirred. Blaine, yelled Hoffman. Get out there, you two smathers, Loomis, Blake. They came slowly, shame-faced. At a command from Meek, they unholstered their blasters and heaved them in a pile. The prowler deposited Hoffman with them. Meek saw Andrew Smith standing at the edge of the sidewalk and nodded to him. There you are, Mr. Smith. Rounded up just like you wanted them. Neat, said Stiffy, but not gaudy. Slowly, carefully, bones aching, Meek slid from the prowler's back, was surprised his legs would hold him up. Come in and have a drink, yelled a dozen voices all at once. But your life, agreed Stiffy, licking his chops. Men were slapping Meek on the back, yelling at him. Yelling friendly things, calling him an old he-wolf. He tried to thrust out his chest, but didn't succeed too well. He hoped they wouldn't insist on his drinking of lot of barker. A hand tugged at Meek's elbow. It was the Reverend Brown. You aren't going to leave that beast out here all alone? He asked. You're telling what he might do. Oh, shucks, protested Stiffy. He's gentle as a kitten, stands without hitching. But even as he spoke, the prowler lifted his head, almost as if he was sniffing, started down the street at a swinging trot. 
Hey, yelled Stiffy. Come back here, you cross-eyed crowbait. The prowler didn't falter in his stride. He went even faster. Cold fear gripped Meek by the throat. He tried to speak and gulped instead. He just thought of something. The power plant that supplied Asteroid City with its power on light. The very oxygen it breathed was down that way. A power plant and an alien robot that was starved for energy. My stars, gasped Meek. He shook off the minister's hand and galloped down the street, shrieking at the prowler. But the prowler had no thought of stopping. Panting, Meek slowed from a gallop to a trot, then to a laboured walk. Behind him he heard Stiffy puffing along. Behind Stiffy trailed practically the entire population of Asteroid City. Far ahead came the sound of rending steel and crashing structure as the prowler ripped the plant apart to get at the juice. Stiffy gained Meek's side and panted at him. Cripes are crucified for this. We've got to get him out of there. How? asked Meek. Dain of honour, said Stiffy. One side of the plant was a mass of tangled wreckage, surrounding a hole out of which protruded the prowler's hind quarters. Terrified workers and maintenance men were running for their lives. Live wires spat and crackled with flaming energy. Chapter 4 Meek and Stiffy halted a half-block away, breath whistling in their throats. The prowler's tail, protruding from the hole in the side of the plant, twitched happily. Meek regarded the scene with doleful thoughts. "'I wish,' Stiffy declared, "'we stayed out there and died. It would have been easier than what's liable to happen to us now.' Feet thumped behind them, and a hand grabbed Meek's shoulder. Grabbed it. It was Andrew Smith, a winded, apoplectic Andrew Smith. "'What are you going to do?' he shouted at Meek. Meek swallowed hard, tried to make his voice even. Just studying over the situation, Mr. Smith. I'll figure out something in a minute. Sure he will, insisted Stiffy. Leave him alone. Give him time. He always does what he says he'll do. He said he'd round up Blackie for you, and he did. He went out and single-handed and captured the prowler. Yeah, yelled Smith. And he said the prowler would stand without hitching too. Did he stand, I ask? He didn't say that, Stiffy interrupted testily. I said that. It don't make a bit of difference who said it, shrieked Smith. I got stuck in that plant there, and the prowler's ruining it. He's jeopardizing the life of this whole city, and it's all your fault. You brought him here. I'll sue you, the both of you, so help me. Ah, shut up, snapped Stiffy. Who can think with you blabbering around? Smith danced in rage. Who's blabbering? I've got a good mind to... He doubled up his fist and started towards Stiffy. And once again, Oliver Meek did something he never would have thought of doing back on Earth. He put out his gloved hand, deliberately and pushed Smith in the face, pushed hard, so hard that Smith thumped down in the dust of the street and sat there, silenced by surprise. Without even looking back, Meek strolled purposely down the street toward the prowler. What he meant to do, he did not know. What he possibly could do, he had no idea. But anything was better than standing there while the crowd screamed at him and men shook their fists at him. Why, they might even lynch him. He shivered at the thought, but men still did things like that especially when someone monkeyed around with the very things they depended on for life out here in naked space. Maybe they'd turn out on Juno with only an hour or two of oxygen. Maybe they'd... Stiffy was yelling at him. Come back, you danged old fool! Suddenly the ground leaped and bucked beneath Meek's feet. The power plant reeled before his startled eyes, and then, somehow, he was on his back, watching the dome wheel and weave above him. Fighting for breath that had been knocked out of him, he clawed his way to his knees, tried to stand erect, the ground still was crawling with motion. It was like an earthquake, he told himself, startled that he could even think. But it couldn't be an earthquake. Juno didn't have earthquakes. There was no reason for Juno to have earthquakes. The little planetoid eons ago had cooled through and through. Each rock, 
Each strata had found its place. Juno was dead, dead as the reaches of space itself, and earthquakes don't happen on dead planets. Out of the corner of his eyes he saw the prowler had bashed out of the hole in the power plant, was standing with four legs spread wide, bracing himself. His long neck was stretched high in the air, and the ugly, toothy head did the look of quick alertness. Meek gained his feet, stood tottering, keeping upright by some fancy footwork. The prowler started toward him, legs gathering speed, heading down the street. With a hoarse whoop, Meek steadies himself, half-crouched, and held his breath, leaped, leaped so hard he almost vaulted over the beast's broad back. Sprawling, he scrambled into position astride the running robot, saw Stiffy leaping at him. Quickly he shot out a hand, grasped Stiffy and hauled him aboard. Ahead of them the crowd rushed for safety, leaving a broad avenue for the storming prowler and his two riders. "'Get the locks open!' yelled Stiffy. "'Here we come!' The crowd took up the shriek. "'Get the locks open!' The prowler swept down the street, hoofs clattering like hammer blows. Ahead of them the inner lock swung open. As the prowler bulleted into the entrance tunnel, the outer lock swung out, and for a few wild seconds air screamed and howled, rushing from the city into the vacuum of space. In frantic haste, Meek and Stiffy worked with their helmets, getting them clamped down. Then they were out in the open, the gleaming city behind them. Less than half a mile away loomed a massive boulder, towering a hundred feet or more above the level of the canyon floor. The prowler made a beeline for it. "'Oliver!' yelled Stiffy. "'That thing wasn't there before!' Look, it almost blocks the canyon. The boulder was black, but it crawled with a greenish glow, a faint network of somber fire. The breath caught in Meek's throat. Stiffy, he whispered. Behind him, Stiffy almost sobbed in excitement. Yeah, I know, it's a meteor, and it's lousy with radium. It just fell, said Meek, voice unsteady. That's what shook up the place. Wonder is it didn't crack the dome wide open. We've had jump for it, urged Stiffy. We don't want to get plumb burned. Can't go near that thing without lead sheathing. Meek flung himself sideways, throwing up his arms to shield his helmet, struck on his shoulders and rolled. Slowly, benumbed from the fall, he crept out of the shadow of a high rock wall into the starlight. Stiffy was sitting on the ground, rubbing his shins. Buck them up some, he admitted. Up the valley, the prowler was arching its back and rubbing against the green glowing boulder. Just like a dad-blamed cat that's found some catnip, said Stiffy. Must sort of like that radium. He rose slowly, dusted off his suit. Well, he suggested, that's you and me going to action. Action? Sure, let's go back and file us a claim on that meteor. Don't need to worry about anybody else jumping it, because every dad blame one of them is scared speechless of the prowler. They won't go near the meteor long as he's around. He stared at the meteor speculatively. That's worth a lot of money, isn't it, Stiffy? Filled with radium like that. Bet your boots, said Stiffy cheerfully. We go fifty-fifty on her. Spare equal ways. We're partners. Tell you what you do, Meek said slowly. You take it all. Just take out enough to fix up the damage back there and call that my share. Stiffy's jaw dropped. Say, what are you getting at? I'm leaving, said Meek. Good gravy. Leaving? Just when we made it as a strike. You don't understand, said Meek. I didn't come out here to find radium or to arrest gangs or even to capture an asteroid, Prowler. I just came out to look around. Nice and quiet. Didn't want to bother anybody. Didn't want anybody to bother me. Doggone it, said Stiffy. I was just figuring maybe as soon as we cleaned up the radium, we might get the Prowler to lead us to the lost mine. 
Meek brightened. I have a hunch I know where that lost mine is, Stiffy. Remember there was a cutback in the cliff near where we found the prowler? Well, when I first saw him, he was in that place. Got a hunch maybe that's the mine. Stiffy grinned. So you're sticking with me? Meek shook his head. No, I'm still leaving. Just like that, said Stiffy. Stiffy held out his hand. Okay, if that's what you want to do. I'll bank your off in the first Martian back on Earth. Leave my address there. I want to get in touch with me sometime. Meek gripped his hand. You don't need to do that. Take all of it. Just see the plants fixed up. Stiffy's eyes shone queerly, mostly in the starlight. Shucks, there's enough for both of us. More than enough. His voice was rough. I'll get along with you. Meek started to walk away. Goodbye, Stiffy, he called. So long, Stiffy shouted. Meek hesitated. It seemed there should have been more he could have said. Somewhere to let Stiffy know he liked him. Somewhere to tell him he was a friend in a life which had known few friends. He tried to think of ways to put what he felt in words, but there wasn't any way. None that didn't sound awkward and sentimental. He wheeled about, headed for the spaceport. His feet went faster and faster until finally he was running. He had to get out of here, he told himself, before he got into another jam. His luck was stretched too thin already. A fellow just couldn't go on having luck like that. Besides, there was all the space to roam in, other places to see. That was what he set out to do, to see the solar system in his own ship, to do all the things he'd dreamed about back in the cubbyhole at Lunar Export Sink. And he was going to do just that, he promised himself, though he hoped the next stop would be more peaceable. Oliver Meek sighed happily. This was the life. <laughs>